Destiny 2 has released, and it is awesome. We've got all the details on month one activities, when Zer's showing up, the raid this week, and a whole lot more. What's good, everybody, and welcome to Destiny the Show, the Destiny News Podcast to keep you the guardian ahead of the curve, the world of Destiny. I am BBK Dragoon, joined as always by my great co-host Diddy. What is up, dude? This was an amazing week, was it not? Oh my goodness. Things to do, things to play, aliens to shoot, guardians to have fun with, you know? This is what we were really excited about, and... I gotta say, blown out of the water, you know, as probably poor phrasing, considering the times now with all the hurricanes, but it's just like, oh my goodness, it is so much fun to finally play Destiny and have a good time and actually grind for things that we want now. Yeah, you and I both were blown away. I think Bungie completely surpassed our expectations for Destiny 2 and just... I loved this week, man. I think they did a great job. On today's show, we are going to tell you right now, spoiler alert... If you have not finished the campaign, and if you haven't experienced some of the post-campaign content, you may want to skip today's show, especially if you haven't finished the campaign, all right? We yeah. we are definitely <laughs> going to have to talk about some of the just bombshell awesome things that occurred throughout and after the campaign. So do yourself a favor, and if you haven't finished it, go do it and avoid the internet, right, man? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did a pretty good job of avoiding most of the spoilers, and... I'm so glad that I did, you know, not knowing what happened before I experienced it was a thousand times better in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. So many times throughout the campaign, there's just little twists and turns that when it was experienced fresh and even after the campaign, it was just, I think Budgie did such a good job in not spoiling throughout the marketing. You know, we sort of complained about it this summer, right? Where we're like, it's just not a lot of info. (laughs) The hype's not that big. And it was all this sort of just wait. Just wait, just wait till you play it, and they actually earn that trust. So on today's show, we are going to talk about our impressions of the game after one week of play, but first we're going to talk about the first month, the roadmap, when Nightfall Guided Games is going to begin, the raid, trials, when Zur is coming back, information about the new faction rally event, and what's coming down the pipeline in October. We'll touch on the shader controversy, we'll hit on some of the matchmaking issues that the Xbox One players are having, and then we'll dive deeper into our discussion of our feedback. So all that more coming up. So, Diddy, we have a little bit of an update for the clan. We began accepting people into the Destiny of the Show, Destiny 2 clan. We had to upgrade it. If you were a member who was previously in the Destiny of the Show clan, you may not notice your little emblem name showing Destiny of the Show anymore. That's because of the upgrade process of the clan system. Now, there's sort of a nuance that we didn't know about that's taking up more slots than what we had anticipated, right? (laughs) Yeah, so it was never confirmed beforehand, but uh, it turns out that it's not one Bungie, or it's it's one Bungie profile, right? It's um, per console takes up each slot. So personally, I have linked on my Bungie account. I have the PlayStation, the Xbox, and my Blizzard PC account. That takes up three clan slots. It's not just one person. It's three so instead of a hundred separate members we could only have like 33 separate members and 
that uh, was not something that we had anticipated. We were had our fingers crossed that it was just per account and or per you know profile and not console. But turns out that's the case. Um, we're discussing the possibility of you know upgrading, but uh, when we do that, it's going to be announced on our Discord. So uh, for any further details about the Destiny the Show Clan on Bungie.net, uh, follow our Discord, Discord.me/DestinyTheShow. We'll have more information in the coming weeks about that. Yeah. Essentially, with how cool the clan rewards are, and congratulations, we got clan level two within hours nice. of the yeah. leveling <laughs> being released later in the week. With how stinking cool the clan levels are, we want to give players on each console the best opportunity to progress to the next level. I, I actually printed out here, not printed, but uh, pulled up the screenshot of the clan rewards to share with you guys. If you don't know, there is a clan leveling system in Destiny 2. There are now seasons as well, and so we can assume at the end of the season that we'll be able to see which clans got the most XP and whatnot. And so we hit level 2, which gives the whole clan additional glimmer when looting engrams. Level 3 will give increased public event rewards when we hit level 4 in the fourth week. We will get improved rewards from eliminating Cabal enemies. Level 5 increases the chance of receiving reputation tokens when completing Nightfalls, Raids, and Trials. And then the final level it shows on our clan banner is increasing the chance of receiving an Engram when completing playlist activities with a clan member. These are really, really cool, and throughout the course of a season, they work in a great way to be a sort of a catch-up mechanic for new members, right? Let's say that we're pretty much decked to the nines by the time we're in week five or six, and we've hit that max level for the clan that season. If you got a new member coming into the clan, and he's doing activities where now there's this increased chance of engram drops, it's going to speed him up and help him get sort of current... Uh, progression with the rest of the clan. I they, I thought they executed it super well. Other than the roster, right, Diddy? You still can't even see it in game yet. <laughs> yeah, they're they're still tweaking the in-game roster, of course. And you know, you know, some admin features are still not there that I really wish. But that's just you know quality of life improvements that I'm hoping for. And I agree, these tiered rewards are fantastic. So like once we're on level six or five or whatever, we have all those tiered rewards active at the same time. And of course. You know, even though we did hit uh, the level two of our clan within hours, of course, that was, it's going to expand exponentially, right? So the, from two to three, it's going to be a little bit more experience required. And then from three to four, more experience required to hit that level. So it's not going to be the same every single time. So we have to play a little bit longer to get from the second to last to the last level tier. So I'm guessing like 500,000 experience or something at that point. But yeah. uh, it's it's really great too, because... Your character, not account, your character uh, can contribute to that uh, of up to 5,000 experience, right? It actually continues contributing after that fact. That's just at the point you get your reward package. Once you've contributed your 5,000 XP, but you after that point can still accumulate XP if you're a smaller clan. Exactly. And if you have a second character on that account, you can do that again. So you can contribute up to that real reward cap of that 5,000 that I was talking about. You can do that per character, so they, you can do 15,000 per week uh, for those engrams, and of course, like BBK said, you know, contribute continually throughout the week, even though you've hit that cap. Yeah, it can accumulate past that cap, which is pretty cool. And then, you know, we can sort of give some forgiveness, I guess, for the clan roster not loading, because I know their servers are pretty decked out, as Bungie, uncharacteristically yesterday, gives an insight into how many people are playing Destiny. This is really... Other than these sporadic infographics we usually get from the betas, 
the only time we've gotten really hardcore concrete concurrent player numbers. And yesterday, which was September 9th on Saturday, Bungie tweeted out, thank you all so much for playing, Guardians. Right now, Destiny 2 has over 1.2 million concurrent players online. We'll see you in the wild. Wow. That's uh, that's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, so the first weekend of the Destiny 2 console launch, over a million people concurrent at the same time, playing at that exact moment, over 1.2 million players. That is, that's impressive, right? Any game that reaches over a million concurrent uh, is just, that's that's amazing. Like, we remember seeing that screenshot of Halo 3 back in the day, but that was Halo 3 at its prime, right? And this is just the first week, right? As yeah. the success of Destiny 2 continues to grow, I think we can only see that number increasing, especially with the roadmap that we're going to talk about here in just a moment that they've laid out for us. Beautiful segue. So we now, just like the launch of Destiny 1, got our calendar back. When Destiny 1 launched, you guys, <laughs> if you're long-term listeners of the show, we totally talked about how we loved the, the calendar of events that it gave us, and they've done the same for Destiny 2. And you can see this over on our website, destinytheshow.com, or you can head to bungie.net. It's in this week's uh, at Bungie, this week at Bungie. And for the month one activities, they start showing off that this week's Nightfall, the arms dealer is there, as well as our Flashpoint activity being the European Dead Zone. Next week, so the week that your guys are listening to the show, uh, the Nightfall is going to be the Inverted Spire. And the Nightfall Guided Games beta will begin. And depending on how active the clans are, 30 to 50% of the players will have access to Seeker status, meaning you may be able to solo queue into the Nightfall and find a clan who's willing to guide you through it. Flashpoint is Nessus. And then a little bit later that week, Diddy, what's launching? The Leviathan Raid. Oh, yes. Are you excited? You know what I should have done? I should have just said, like, Zer as, like, the main point later in that week. Like, Zer is coming back. But, no, the, the Leviathan Raid is coming back Wednesday. I'm just going to assume that, you know, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time is when it's going to hit because that's Bungie typical because that's when the time frame that they usually do it. So get your gear raid ready. Yeah, if you had to guess, I think 280 light is my best guess as what the normal raid is going to do. I would probably at. agree with that, yep. 280. Mm -hmm. So I got to 271. I got a little ways to go before next week. Where, where'd you land at, too? You're, like, pretty high up there already. Right now, I think I'm in the 250s right yeah. now. Um, yeah, I've Close, been, man. I've played a lot less than you. Uh, well, I guess not a lot, but maybe just a little no, bit no, less no. than you. No, I played a lot on Friday. <laughs> but uh, but it was worth. next week. It's totally um, worth it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to rush to hit that grind up to the raid ready, but hopefully I'll be able to raid that first week. That's my goal, so we'll definitely hit that. And then that Friday, Trials of the Nine launches, and it's going to be on the map Eternity, and the game type is Countdown. And also that Friday the 15th, so this upcoming Friday, Xur is coming back with a selection of exotics. And this time around, Guardians, you need Legendary Shards in order to purchase items from Xur. And you can get those legendary shards. How do you shards. get legendary shards? Well, Diddy, I'm glad you asked. You can dismantle <laughs> either exotics or legendary gear. And I will... We'll be honest, at 25-ish hours into my play session, I have about a little over 100 legendary shards. If you are playing consistently, I think they've done a phenomenal job just making every activity worthwhile full of rewards that are relevant to you. Wouldn't you say they've just yeah. nailed that? I would agree with that, definitely. I mean, 
every single vendor has their tokens that you turn in and every single destination has certain tokens right and with those tokens as you level up you get those legendary rewards and when you say you have that many legendary shards that's because you personally hold on to a lot of legendaries right you have oh, basically yeah. one of each right and all the duplicates you get if they're not higher light level then you just dismantle because you don't need it because you already have it because in destiny 2 all the weapons are the same the rolls don't matter dude our new vault is off the scale the new inventory is off the scale you can actually organize your inventory dude by different factors it's a Oh, like you can do, oh, let's organize it by the earliest thing I've gotten. So if it just dropped and you got this big fat inventory going, it's like, oh, I can find that consumable really easy. I am, oh man, there's just so many quality of life things we'll talk about in the second half of the show. Let's then move into week three, Diddy. Where's our nightfall? Where's our flashpoint? Week three, nightfall is Exodus Crash, and that is with the modifiers Attrition and Time Warp Anomalies. Flashpoint is Io, and that's probably my favorite destination personally. And then that following Friday, of course, we have Trials of the Nine returning, and the game type actually is Survival. It's on the Altar of Flame. Yes. And of and course, Zur with a selection of Zotics. So that's week two of Zur, so buy the heavy weapon that he yeah. sells. <laughs> <laughs> We're referring to like uh, good old Gallarhorn, sold yes, very early on. So you don't yeah, want to miss no, it. Like, why would I want a heavy in my or exotic in my heavy slot? I mean, I've got a prime primary. I've got the last so word. That's the best gun that. in the game, which at the time it probably was. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. So I want to point out server reset remains Tuesday. It looks like here. Yes, and I was wrong. Honest. I'll admit it. I was wrong. You well, go. you and I both sort of speculated Wednesday with the Wednesday release, but I think yeah. that was probably to give them a little bit extra time because Labor Day at the holiday in the U.S. Anyway, second thing I want to mention was Trials of the Nine appears to be just using the competitive game types. We see Countdown and Survival on our calendar here, and those are the competitive game types that you can go and play in the competitive side of the PvP playlists. And I'm excited to try that. I hope that they do bring back a Trials of Osiris game mode because that was my favorite game mode. Elimination. From. Yeah. yeah, an elimination game mode. And perhaps they will, or maybe I need to just, you know, give survival the chance that it needs. And I do like Countdown. I think Countdown is a very good evolution of, uh, you know, objective-based play. So. Yeah, and just as a reminder that the, the Countdown is where you're on different teams, of course, 4v4. One uh, has, has to plant the bomb, the other one has to defend or defuse the bombs. Um, and then as you die, you don't get to respawn unless you're revived, I guess. Yeah, um, and then the survival is your team has a pool of lives that uh, I think it's ten or fifteen or so, um, yes. and as those deplete, um, it's it turns into elimination at the end of it. So, week four is your favorite strike, is it not, Diddy? The Pyramidian, yes, Nightfall. That is the visuals there. I think are the best in the game. Like every single time i was entering a new area in that strike it was just like oh my god this is absolutely amazing and uh if you haven't played the pyramidium go do that right now because it's the best in the game uh the modifiers there are torrent and time warp zero hour the flashpoint is on titan and the leviathan raid guided games beta begins that is awesome. So basically two weeks after the raid launches, two weeks, well, it's like a week 
and six days after the raid launches <laughs> they're going to be giving guided games access to you seekers so if you are a clan you can start being a guide and if you are a seeker depending on how many people they've let into that seeker beta we talked about it last week you will be able to queue for the raid as a solo person which is like a freaking dream come true as a destiny yes. player man <laughs> and then the thing i am most excited about and you and i have to talk on just for a second here is the faction rally begins and on the emblem we see dead orbit new monarchy and future war cult they all have a space, and guys, again, if you have not completed the campaign, leave right now. I'm about to spoil something amazing. Three, two, one. All of the factions have a space in Tower 2.0. You can go and see in the hangar, uh, Future War Cult, Dead Orbit, and then over by Ikora and Hawthorne are the new monarchy spot. But they're not there, Diddy. They are not there. So this not leaves there, the community to believe something, right? Yeah, uh, that factions are coming back, right? Well, I think there's going to be a live event. I think this is a live event to go and get the faction vendors themselves, either through an adventure or through a quest line or something. And I also think Hmm. that factions, when you hear faction rally begins, that indicates to me what we've sort of discussed here before, the idea of a faction war where we have seasons now and we're in season one of the clans. What if... If you joined New Monarchy and I stick with them throughout whole season one, they yes. accumulate the stats, and at the end we can see who the best faction is. Yeah, I mean, worldwide, right? Not just you know within your clan or whatever. It's like worldwide, New Monarchy got 75% of all of the experience because the New Monarchy's most populated, has the most top tier players and they get a reward at the end of the season they get a legendary ingram or something that would be super cool yep totally i want to indicate before we move on a small piece of text on the calendar that says in october new challenges will continue to arrive including iron banner and new ways to have your prestige tested in the raid we'll tell you more about what awaits yep so the prestige difficulty for the raid is coming out in october you can do the prestige difficulty of the nightfall right now and it is at 300 power so uh good luck (laughs) (laughs) yeah i saw some uh, tweets from various destiny community members like man the prestige being like 10 levels under it was insane took us hours to beat and that's the level of difficulty i'm looking for yes please more of that yep yep getting their butt kicked by that timer too if it took them hours man gotta reset um we got to move on and we got to talk about the shader controversy so in destiny 2 shaders are now consumable but you can apply these shaders to Pretty much everything, your ship, your sparrow, every piece of gear that you have, the weapons. I love and love and love how awesome some of these shaders look. And being able to apply it to any of my weapons is a straight-up dream come true. But when you and I both first saw that shaders were consumable, it felt like getting hit in the face with a frying pan, Diddy. I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) However, before we get into Luke Smith's tweets on this, as somebody who's played 25 hours at this point and have started accumulating quite a few shaders... I'm just going to say, I'm impartial. I I don't mind the system. I think I understand what they're going for. However, that's not saying I endorse it. I just want to get that out of the way. Diddy, I'm at this point kind of okay with it, but I'll explain why after we read Luke's tweets. So what did Luke have to say about this? So, of course, Luke went to Twitter to kind of explain himself or discuss the shaders there. And these are all the tweets combined. I think there were four of them. He says, and I quote, Shaders are earned through gameplay, leveling, chests, engrams, vendors. We expect you'll be flush with shaders as you continue to play. 
When you reach level 20, shaders will drop more often. Vendor rewards, destination play, and, excuse me, shaders will drop more often through vendor rewards, destination play, and endgame activities. Shaders are now ongoing, are now an ongoing reward for playing. Customization will inspire gameplay. Each planet has unique armor and shader rewards. With Destiny 2, we want statements like, quote, I want to run the raid trials or go back to Titan to get more of its shader to be possible. Okay. There you go. That's what he has to say. And at first I hated it, but now <laughs> that I'm into it and I'm stacking shaders, I kind of like it because it's another thing to sort of grind for. Destiny 2 has done away with a boatload of currencies. They've simplified a lot of it. And so as an end game player, I'm not going to be collecting strange coins or heavy synths or anything like that. I sort of enjoy this rarity element, Diddy, in which when I get the armor set that I like and I know I really want to commit to it, I'm throwing on my raid shaders onto it. Like it's, it's this more, it adds sort of a sense of, wow, and one extra sense of rarity. Now, I also understand the other side of the coin. People going, hey, but can't you get shaders from Eververse? Yeah, you can. I think what they've done with Eververse, though, is like straight up sweet, <laughs> dude. You want to explain how the new like level up works once you're post 20? Yeah, so Eververse rewards bright engrams every time you level up after you hit level 20. And when you hit level 20, you get three or so bright engrams from Eververse as kind of a reward kind of introduces you to that system. Now these bright engrams, you can inspect them to see what their rewards are and you can get armor, you can get shaders, you can get ships, you can get emotes, those kinds of things inside those bright engrams. And you keep getting them, right? You can buy them as well, but you can earn them as well. Yes, so 25 hours in, I think I've probably earned six or seven of them at this point. And it feels really stinking good because any activity you do in Destiny now allows you a chance to earn the Eververse items. And yeah. that's so different than the way the the chests work, the loot boxes worked in Destiny 1. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, there are, when you hit level 20, I think you get this consumable that quadruples your experience games for you and your fire team. Yes. So if you just stack that with a couple of friends, right? You can get those level ups really, really quick. And with all the activities and quests and patrols and public events granting additional experience, you can get those engrams pretty quickly and you can just shovel them in and just get all those rewards. I think well, that's when great. I when I got stuff I didn't want, Bright Dust exists now. So there's plenty yes. of, you know, really cool cosmetic stuff I didn't really want. I dismantled it and I've accumulated now like 400 and something Bright Dust. And Diddy, like you said, you can actually purchase those little fire team boosters for, please don't quote me, I think 100, maybe 50, I can't remember. But it's not, it's not like a crazy cost. So you can actually, there are ways that you can accumulate more. I don't think they stack. Like if you have three fire team members with, a, with that active, I think it just is only one. Yeah, of, I meant stack know. as in one yeah, 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 one yeah. activates and then the yeah. second one activates after it's completed. And it's, uh, yeah, there you go. Just making sure before we got that tweet, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, iTunes review. Yeah. The other controversy that we'll just mention briefly that I don't see as a big deal is 
armor mods and weapon mods have a chance to drop in those bright engrams so you can argue the pay to win or the pay for power type thing because there's armor mods that improve weapon handling or armor mods that give you plus five power all i'm gonna say is just play the game seriously by the time you are like light level 260 265 i think you will have accumulated enough mods and see how easy it is to accumulate that if you just play the game you have no need to worry about somebody who spent a boatload of money being uber op and you're never going to be able to compete with them at all i no, i don't even think it's an issue man and it's not like a consumable that automatically gives you golden gun for half the match it's not that overpowered right i mean i with however many games that i've played right now i haven't even touched mods like that the plus five or whatever it is and i because i just i don't care yet <laughs> and i don't see it as that big of a deal to me you know you're not it's at like min max point of 283 no. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to hit the tier 12 or whatever it is now these days. <laughs> Just quite what, yet. Where the kids are calling it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty much it for the TWAB. Is there anything else you want to cover before we move into our discussion of the awesomeness that is D2? No. I mean, we're having fun, so let's talk about it. So our impressions of Destiny 2, Diddy. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, both our expectations were surpassed in significant ways. I'm not going to say Destiny 2 is perfect, nor will I say like we know exactly what endgame rotation looks like or what we think of this game a month from now. But all I can say is the initial week experience is phenomenal. And I think this is the first time Bungie really has released Destiny like actual destiny the way they envisioned, right? Yeah, 100% agreed. And there was, I took a screenshot from from Reddit here. There was a post that just said, can we take a moment to appreciate that our biggest gripe with the game is the shader system? <laughs> and that was like the first two days of launch, right? That was the, the biggest talk of yep. the internet at that point. It's not It's not the story missions. It's not the gear being uh, underappreciated it's not the visuals it's not the gameplay it's not anything because that all is amazing right yeah it is what we wanted it to be it's probably definitely what Bungie wanted it to be and there's just this sense of relief and appreciation and passion again to go home fire up the console and shoot some aliens in the face and get awesome gear for it. That yep. is, that was missing for a very long time for me from Destiny. And now that it's back, like I was talking to you at work, like 1 p.m., 2 p.m. I'm like, oh my God, I only have three more hours until I can go play more Destiny. Yep. And I live fairly close to work. So every lunch break, I would go home, play for 20 minutes and then go back because I'm just, I'm addicted again. And I love that feeling Everything that I've discovered this last week is just, uh, yes, I have said, this is awesome. This is amazing. This is amazing. Yes. Yep. I've, this is the happiest I've been with a game release since like Halo Reach, dude. It's, <laughs> uh, why, don't, why don't we open yeah. up, I guess, with the campaign? Because uh, they truly did a pretty good job, I think, with the solid story mode. It spoilers. was spoilers, obviously. <laughs> um, my goodness, the locations, the set piece, 
the pacing. There was great character development. There was nice dialogue, humorous points, some fresh faces that I really enjoyed seeing. I think Failsafe is quickly becoming my favorite character in <laughs> Agreed, all of Destiny. Yes. Um, and my word, dude, that music. The, the music elevated the experience so much for me. When you're following Hawthorne's hawk, what, what's its name again? <laughs> Roger or something? Lewis. Lewis. Lewis, there we go. When you're following Lewis and you're all burned to a crisp and you're going through this incredibly gorgeous landscape and it's just this somber music, it really created like a very emotional moment as a Destiny player. It was yeah, just... a very a, a moment or an air of despair. And yeah, when when the ghost very crippledly said, "I can't revive you here." Yeah, to me that was like, oh shit, that is. Yeah. I yeah. can't. And then, you know, as he says that, the enemies start to come over the hill and you're like, oh my God, I just have this sidearm with me. Yeah. And oh my gosh. <laughs> and it just created that atmosphere of, it just created so many emotions that didn't exist in Destiny 1 for me. Yeah. And oh, playing yeah. through the campaign. You remember the, the Destiny 1 story? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter at this point because... It was so well designed. The whole time you're playing through all the missions, you understand what's happening. You understand why you're doing that thing that you're doing because they set it up and they appropriately described what you were doing and they gave you this. We kind of saw this in The Taken King as well. We we knew the big picture, right? Yep. Destiny 1, we had no idea what the picture was. Yeah. It's like... It's like putting together a puzzle and you haven't seen the front of the box, right? You don't mm -hmm. know what it's supposed to look like and you're just yep. fumbling with everything. That'd actually be a really cool idea to how to solve a puzzle. I'm going to go do that right now. No, just kidding. Okay. Yeah, um, I'll take over there. Yeah. But <laughs> it's we had this bad guy, right? We had the story and then all the pieces just seemed to line up and fit into place. And that to me is good, good design. Now, Gaul, what was so cool to me about Gaul and those cutscenes with him and his mentor, Gaul, you learned, isn't just a big, bad dude who's like, I destroy everything. He had some complexity to him, and as the campaign moves forward along, you realize it's not just enough for Gaul to take it and blow up Earth and get out of there. He wants the Traveler to choose him. Yes. He, he wants that honor. There's this sense of just like really weird misplaced I need to be chosen or this anger at neglect that made him a really cool character and especially the dialogue between him and the speaker I mean how about the bombshell <laughs> line the speaker drops at the end yeah uh, do we want to say it <laughs> no why don't we why don't we save it in case somebody was unfortunate enough to not finish the campaign and is still listening so I think that I think the people <laughs> who finished the campaign know exactly what we're talking about but uh, yeah that was like yeah, that's right. <laughs> Indeed. Well said, sir. And at Bill Nighy, is that how you say his name? I'm just fantastic voice so, actors yeah. all around, man. Um, I guess I would have to say, before we get into the locations, we, why don't today's discussion, today we just hit campaign and our favorite locations. Next week, we'll dive into things like the strikes, the gearing, because I think there's just too much to hit on on a single week. Sure. But the location that was my absolute favorite by a just huge leap and bound was Titan. The water with all the waves? The water 
once you progress into the buildings and some of the more strike locations, the sense of scale. And I, I don't know how they did it, dude, but they made the gameplay more sticky and the visuals better. <laughs> this is the best looking console FPS I think I've ever played. And the size of some of the play spaces that we entered into, as well as the enemy counts, it was off the scale. <laughs> I would agree with that. And it's just, I mean, I agree with you. Titan is beautiful. Personally, I think IO just mm. le uh, levels it up, in my opinion. That's where my favorite strike is. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and I, I lo also love the NPC on IO. I totally forget his name. Uh, but Ash, Ashen, Asher, Asher something yeah. like that. When he's just ripping on Zavala. And he's just this crazy old dude just complaining <laughs> at Zavala the whole time. I think he calls him Vuvuzela at one point. And <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, this dude is hilarious. And then, oh my God, it's, I agree with you. Titan was great because entering some of those buildings, right? It's it's on the water, right? It, it's like, um Camino is that the Star Wars one with all the clones? I think so, yeah. And but but like it's not as fancy as Camino because the buildings are like not level, and when you enter a doorway, you can see that it's tilting to the left, and it kind of like distorts my view. I caught myself like turning my head sideways a couple times throughout the campaign, and it was it, those little things just make it more immersive, and it was great. Yep, I think I want to just say i don't believe the campaign was perfect I, I think you could have improved on a few things i would have loved more time to explore backstory of ikora more time yeah, to learn a little agreed. bit about Cade, and maybe a few more missions with zavala but i sort of mentioned to you that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense when earth is in peril and every moment you spend <laughs> away from the farm you know guardians are just getting wrecked so yeah. i can understand it and then the length of the campaign i thought was fantastic i hate when day one they're like there's only x amount of missions and somebody beat it on day one uh i, I don't want to say the playtime just for reasons in case somebody's here but i thought it, it fit a fine length for a normal campaign shooter and is in yep. line with the length of halo 3 almost i mean very much in line yeah i mean and there are other things to do in destiny than the campaign like there when I have a couple coworkers who are not Destiny fans who just played Destiny 2 and they're like, yeah, I beat the campaign and I'm done. I beat it. <laughs> like, I'm like, that's not... That's the tutorial. That's the tutorial. That's not what you play Destiny for. You don't play Destiny just for the campaign and then stop and never touch it again. That's not yeah. how you do it. <laughs> yeah. There's so many other things to do as well and they're not shallow. Either, oh, that's right? what they nailed, man. Like it's like the the depth of everything outside the campaign is mind blowing. The patrols alone, or the patrol spaces, I should say, are way better than like the Cosmodrome, yep. right? The Cosmodrome, yep. you spawn in, and there's a group of five enemies to your right. There's a building with ten enemies inside of it that have to respawn. There's a group to your left of three enemies. When you spawn in on a location in Destiny 2, there's a public event happening right next to you of 50 enemies. And it's like, oh my goodness, there's so many things to do. And that leads me to my next point. I'm so happy public events happen all the dang time in Destiny 2 because public events are so great now and they're rewarding as well. 
public yeah. events are what make this game for me. <laughs> well, I <laughs> if think I had it's to the, give it to one thing. It's the whole patrol experience, dude, because that is what they nailed. I asked a bunch of people I played with this week, once you finished the campaign, what was the main thing you have spent your time doing gearing up? Yep. And yeah, strike rewards are awesome. There's some people that just grinded strikes. I did a lot of strikes, but the majority were now doing mainly patrol zone experiences where, well, I've got adventures to do. I got quests I need to do uh, public events over here. There's some patrols. They have made sectors. <laughs> they've Treasure made maps. the worlds, dude, the patrol. Like if you told a destiny one player two years ago, yeah, you're mainly going to be doing patrols after the campaign and you're going to like it. They would be like, no, that's yeah. Yeah. Right, bro. That's not how it's going to be like. Work. That's the worst game ever. <laughs> yeah. But they've made the rewards relevant because when I'm on the EDZ and I'm getting my EDZ tokens, any activity I'm doing on the EDZ is helping me gear up. It's yeah. relevant. The rewards the are relevant. The gives you a reward plus a token and then you turn in the token to get more rewards and then in turn allows you to do more events. It's it's crazy. It yeah. because oh man, it's 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 good. Patrol spaces are perfect. PVE yeah. end game is a thing now, and I'm really happy about that. And it looks too like from the content calendar, and we have two studios working on Destiny Two: Vicarious Visions and High Moon <laughs> full time doing live events for Destiny Two. So I believe just looking at the first month, they've got a pretty clear idea this time about how they're going to actually curate content over content over the next six months and that is so key for a progression-based game like this i want to close today by talking about what i thought was the most like powerful moment of the whole launch week experience for me and that really was when you finish the campaign the credits roll and before we get to the new space right before you know the credits complete you get a Mm -hmm. message from bungie that says to our community you've become the main characters in the stories we tell you filled our worlds with your light and your friendship. Thank you for your passion for our games and for each other. Most of all, thank you for playing Love Bungie. And then when that concludes, you get to go to Tower 2.0, or should we say the wall, but it is a new tower next to the Broken Tower, and it's an entire social space that they kept completely secret to everybody. It's big. There are a ton of Easter eggs. All your vendors are there. The music is outrageously good. It's just so heroic and touching. And what hit me was, this isn't just a new space, right? It, I don't know why it was so like just emotionally like, wow. Other than the tower was kind of like the bar from Cheers. It wasn't just a place <laughs> in a video game. It was a hangout where... Come Friday night, we got the crew together and we raided. And then we all went back and we decrypted our rewards. We got our shaders, rinse, repeat for three years. And so having that new hangout in tandem with what Bungie said, where really it's a place where memories were made. Destiny 1, we made a lot of those memories. Do you kind of get what I'm hitting at? Yeah, and you know that everyone in in that social space has done the campaign. So they've all yeah. been through the exact same thing as you to get there. So they, you have this common ground, right? You have this talking point or this whatever because you're in the same location. And man, to me, the thing that hit home the most was, I'm not going to get too specific into the final missions, but the final missions of the campaign were amazing, right? Yeah. Before you get to like the final boss room, when you're progressing through the last city and you're fighting alongside other guardians, 
doing yeah. this the story mission yeah that was like man we rallied together to take back this city right and it yeah. just had that sense of like you were connected with those people like you're helping me beat a story mission and that was never the case with destiny one right because yeah. you, you didn't play through social spaces and oh my god that was that was really great i really liked that touch yeah well that's going to conclude our first destiny of the show for destiny 2 diddy we still have to talk about the strikes we need to invest a little bit more time in pvp i've probably played like five to ten matches right now <laughs> maybe like seven because there's so much other stuff to do right <laughs> yeah it's crazy like i'm just very happy so we'd love to hear from our listeners what did you all think about this week of destiny 2 what do you think about the release tweet at destiny the show with your feedback and we may read some of that on the show next week again head to our discord at discord.me slash destiny the show to join the conversation with us and also to hear about our upcoming clan announcements diddy where can people find your content twitter.com slash diddy dts d-i-t-t-y dts and youtube.com slash wooshness w-o-o-o-s-h-n-e-s-s you can follow us at Destiny the Show, like I said, or all the links from today and more on our website, destinytheshow.com. You can follow me at BBK Dragoon on both YouTube and Twitter. And Diddy, I kind of have to echo the sentiments that the end credit roll for the game did and just extend a huge thank you to this community. Just like Destiny 1 was able to help us build memories and friendships, so has this podcast. I mean, we've met so many people and gotten to raid and trials and strike over the years with such a diverse group of folks, all because of this show and the listeners who support the program. So I just want to say thank you all so much and uh, enjoy Destiny 2's second week. Good luck in the Leviathan. <laughs>